Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This segment is going to be the action movies of 1989. No, it's not every single action movie of 1989. I don't have that kind of time. So my co-host Rob on the other side, say hello Rob. Hello! Uh, we went through the list of action movies of that year, especially the ones that we haven't already done, and uh, picked four. And the ones we picked are Black Rain, Dead Bang, Indio, and Next of Kin. I know, not what you were expecting. Especially since we didn't pick Roadhouse. <laughs> I, I haven't been on <laughs> But I thought that there was another Patrick Swayze movie from this year that needed more attention, and, and uh, it's sorely underseen. Oh, yeah, 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 most definitely. The... Oh, I, I guess we'll get into it eventually when we talk about it. But, the, yeah, the Next of Kin definitely is criminally underseen. All of these movies seem to be forgotten. In fact, one of them you had never heard of, and I I, I hope you didn't hate it because it's really obscure, and I, I have a, a fondness for it, but we'll get to that one. Uh, let's start mm-hmm. off with a first-time watch for me, Black Rain, uh, one that had been on my peripheral forever. Everybody talks about it, and I'm a Ridley Scott guy, but for some reason I just never got around to it, and I watched it this time, and you know what? It's a top, it's a top three for me with uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Uh... Because I, I, I love Black Rain so much. Um, it is definitely one of my top favorite uh, Ridley movies. It's uh, just, uh, I, I personally, also my favorite performance from uh, Michael Douglas. Um, I, I think Michael Douglas has never been, I mean, not as far as like just maybe like his acting, because obviously, you know, you had Wall Street, which won him the Oscar, and uh, he has many, many great performances. Uh, but I don't think he's ne- never been better as a character. Like, this is just my favorite character he's ever played ever with his mullet and his shades and his motorcycle. He's just the greatest Michael Douglas character ever, in my opinion. I have to make an argument here real quick. Mullets. Everybody is saying everything is a mullet now from this era. The rules are the top has to be way shorter than the back. And his is just combed back. That's it. It's just combed back. It's You know, Kurt Russell did the same thing. It's just combed back hair. <laughs> There's no spiky... There's no Billy Ray Cyrus horse shit going on here. I say this is not a mullet. It doesn't sort of... <laughs> it's, just, it's just 80s hair. Um, yeah, this one is different because he's not playing the cold, calculating character he usually played. There, There's even... He started off, of course, with him as a leading man... Um, Really, with the whole uh, romancing the stone, Jules and I was kind of playful and 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 uh, kind of uh, antagonistic with Kathleen Turner. And then when Wall Street and uh, Fatal Attraction came out, he became like the 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 alpha male of cold, calculating, disconnected, you know, businessmen. And mm-hmm. this one is right after that. And this is the one where I feel like it's totally different than pretty much everything he's done, except maybe falling down. Where he's a real person, he's overcome with emotion to the point where he makes mistakes because of this. And I was reading a review of this from our local newspaper uh, out of Portland, and they were doing a midnight screening of it. I was like, oh cool, that sounds great. And all they did was shit all over the movie, said it was campy, that Michael Douglas is way out of shape, and he's old. I'm like, "Uh, guys, that's the point of his character, is that he's fried. He's playing older. You can clearly tell they're putting darkness under his eyes and more gray in his hair. And that he's supposed to be kind of past his prime. That was the point, unless I'm wrong. No, no, no. You're most definitely right. He is like a over-the-hill, burnt-out, you know, especially the, considering his situation where um, uh, he's constantly uh, 
he developed a reputation, you know, as being on the take, which he reveals later on in the film that he that he did. Spoilers for a uh, uh, forty year old movie, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it, that's definitely the point of his character that he's over the hill and he's burnt out. He's basically on his way out. He's you know he's doing these little uh, cases here and there. You know what I'm saying? Then this big case uh, gets dropped in his lap. Uh, out of nowhere and basically it leads to him kind of finding redemption and redeeming himself uh, not only for his police department but for a totally new culture of police department over in Japan so yeah that's the that's the whole point of his, his character his arc. Right and the juxtaposition between the youthful exuberance of Andy Garcia and again spoiler how it's taken away so quickly you, yeah. he, he's not in Probably half the movie, but he is a fucking star. Yeah, he's great in Untouchables, but here is where you see, like, oh, yeah, this is why he was cast as leading man after this, because he's fucking gold. Oh, yeah, yeah. Andy Garcia is just, uh, my mother had a major crush on uh, Andy Garcia. This was after The Untouchables, but, like, you know, through this movie, and then uh, when uh, they cast him in uh, Godfather Part 3, she was just like, oh, yeah, she was like Andy Garcia, you know what I'm saying? Which, you know, much to the chagrin of my dad, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) This is a, what would you categorize this uh, this genre, this mini-genre as, like, gaijin films? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a man, a man out of out of place. You know, it's definitely a gaijin, like along the lines of uh, what was it, uh, the challenge. Uh, yeah, well, here's beautiful. the difference though. The the cliche is that they become like master swordsmen in one way or another, like the hunted, uh, the last samurai, um, mm. American ninja, and stuff like that. Where all of a sudden they have all these skills. The one thing they do that's smart is he never ever goes through that. He still has his way of fighting. He doesn't like learn how to uh, master martial arts and a sword <laughs> in like a month, like the way they do with all these movies. So it's more respectful because that I think sometimes it's kind of insulting if you're not handling it well. That all of a sudden this guy just knows martial arts. You're like you're forgetting this takes decades to get to this level, not <laughs> not ninety days. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I I, I remember um, not too long ago having a. Uh, a conversation with a, a brother of ours, uh, Jason Elizondo, about the Black Rain because he's a huge, huge fan of it as well. And uh, we were laughing um, at the fact that uh, during the final fight, where uh, he, he's fighting uh, uh, the, the main bad guy, and like, like the difference between their fighting styles, and it's just like we were just like, what the hell is Michael Douglas doing? Because <laughs> he looks ridiculous fighting. Yeah, he's just like a battering <laughs> ram. There's no finesse. It's just go for like a bull, you know, in a shop or whatever, and just ripping apart it. So he doesn't have the skill and the finesse, but he's just a forward motion kind of guy. Yeah, 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 most definitely. And that's what gets him into all the trouble over there with the, the Japanese police force. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, uh, I had never seen... Uh, I didn't know that Ken Takagura had made a movie for American audiences before Mr. Baseball. That's the only thing I'd ever known him from. I mm-hmm. think he's great. Absolutely great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. He's absolutely fantastic. Um, uh, like, the whole cast, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, especially, um, uh, even though she doesn't really have much to do, but, uh, uh, damn, her name Kate is... Kate yeah, Kate Capshaw. How the hell did I forget Kate Capshaw? Yeah, it happens. Uh, it's Willie Scott. <laughs> but she's great, too. Like, you know, like, uh, her little, like, you know, hostess kind of job thing and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, yeah. 
Um, the entire cast is great. Uh, I, I love the entire cast uh, in this movie. I find it interesting that uh, this wasn't a huge hit here, but worldwide it was a massive hit. I think here it kind of just did a little bit better than what it cost. It was like forty million or something like that, but it cost thirty. But overseas it made a hundred and like fifty million dollars, which tells you that a um, it's a good international story and respectful to Japanese audiences. But also, you know, Michael Douglas is now becoming an international star, which I don't think was a thing before this. And Ridley Scott movies always play better worldwide. Yeah, yeah, I, I think like you know, just essentially visual movies. Oh, you know, always it happens like that. Like Americans, you know, they're not too big on visuals. I'm sorry to say, you know, that's why a lot of movies, you know, like like especially nowadays, you know, where they go into like, you know kind of like the cinematography of it all and shit right. just insane visuals like they're, they're more like you see them like more indie productions whereas like major productions are more straightforward with their like their visuals and their cinematography and shit you know and it's just like eh, you know it's I, I'm, I'm not trying to say anything over here but uh i'm saying that it's over here <laughs> well what what it is it seems like a lot of the great cinematographers that rose out of the 80s and early 90s were international filmmakers I mean, this one is filmed by Jean Debon. I mean, the dude had just come off Die Hard. I was wondering why this looked so much like Die Hard, and I went and looked, and it's the same cinematographer. There's a very particular look that rose out of, especially with you know Ridley and Tony Scott. They had a very yeah. particular look. Um, yeah. And I think that they elevated action movies to more than just low-budget garbage that was meant to be just to fill in the drive-ins and, and, and you know, like uh, matinees. Uh, they oh, yeah, legitimized the genre in the 80s. I mean, it's not just them. Of course, there's also, you know, uh, uh, Richard Donner, who, who was a big part of legitimizing the genre. But I think this is a really great thriller. It's not action-packed. Don't expect it. It's more about the characters. But when the action does happen, it's very, very good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have some some, some great action in there. Uh, particularly... Um... The, the the final um, motorcycle chase through like the the muddy field I, I thought that was great yeah that one I could see was going to be a thing later they kind of uh, foreshadowed that with the whole chase sequence or whatever the racing sequence in the very beginning it's like oh okay this is going to come into play later <laughs> yeah 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 most definitely <laughs> um, our second film is Dead Bang a movie that I really thought by now was going to find an audience especially with our uh, you know action Twitter circle and it, it, it has some buzz. But it still hasn't broken out like the way Action Jackson did. You know, same company, yeah. Lorimar, it got dumped in terrible DVDs. The only way to get the full screen version of, or the, sorry, the widescreen version of Dead Bang Now is on digital. That's how I have it on my Voodoo. But Action Jackson, you know, that's on Blu ray now. It's been cleaned up. It looks great. I want the same for this movie. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, it's getting there. You see, you know, ever so slightly, like people still figuring out about it, you know, finding out about it. But uh, I mean, yeah, I'm I'm surprised it hasn't caught on uh, like mad lately, considering it's 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 basically just uh, a badass cop kicking the shit out of a bunch of punk ass neo Nazis and like, yeah. hey, who doesn't love to see that shit? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is from legendary action uh, thriller director John Frankenheimer, and it's kind of sad. This is the era where his career was falling apart. He just yes. couldn't get a hit. Even though I like all the movies he made around this time, The Fourth War, uh, 52 Pickup, just for whatever reason, they didn't make any money. Yeah, yeah. That, that was unfortunate, too, because um, 
uh, 52 pickup was like really felt like a return to form for him. You know what I'm saying? And uh, he really enjoyed the experience, you know, because he made that for Cannon, and Cannon pretty much let him do whatever the fuck he wanted. And uh, he thought it was gonna, like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make all my movies with them and shit. And then Cannon kind of went bust around that time. Yeah. So I was just like, oh yeah, man, you know, uh, you know. And then uh, he he went and did Dead Bang. You know what I'm saying? And it's just kind of like. You know, it, uh, it uh, also too, I guess, because it, it kind of missed the mark, because uh, you had Don Johnson in the lead, and you know Don Johnson was red hot. Um, it's from '84, considering with Miami Vice, but this was at the time Miami Vice was ending its run, so his his star was kind of diminishing at that time and shit. So it's just like you know, you, you like what do you? He he really had it against him in the. When he did that thing and shit, but um, so yeah, what not a lot of lot of people know this is that Don Johnson was one of the guys offered Die Hard, and yes. he wasn't able to take it because of his contract with Miami Vice. In fact, they offered him more money to stick around, and now it seems like a huge mistake to me because, I mean, yeah, okay, I'm guaranteeing you right now, Don Johnson would be a lazy fuck like Bruce Willis has been for the last decade. <laughs> and yeah. he would have been just as good in that role and frankly I think Miami Vice fell apart the second Michael Mann left and Dick Wolf took over yes they came procedural and there's no budget you know the action sequences in the first few seasons are jaw dropping good and the style and the music and it just started to peter out and you're right by the time this movie came out no one cared anymore yeah yeah like the the last season the, of uh Miami Vice was just very hit or miss. They had some really good episodes in there and shit, but a lot of just like, the fuck is this? Yeah. What's going on? Uh, I, th- I think, uh, I mean, even you could say it's, it started peering around in the fourth season too, because there was a lot of bullshit in the fourth season as well. Um, my thing is, I think it fell apart when they killed John Deal, if you know who that yes. is. When yes, he yes. gets murdered and it's, it's completely thrown away and it doesn't seem to really affect anything, and you're like, what the hell was that? He just wanted out of the show, I guess, because they weren't giving him anything to do. And right. that's when, like, he was, like, the one heart of the show. Yeah, everybody else is cool, but he was the heart. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. And, and uh, I, yeah, I remember, too, that episode, too. It was just such a, like, a sad kind of, like, movie ending. And then it's just like, yeah, yeah. And now that I think of it, like, yeah, that kind of is where Pinpoint did, where uh, the show went to shit, started going yeah. to shit. And I think that was, like, the beginning of season four. But I can see why Don Johnson went out. But, you know, he's in the contract, and he's just trying to get some movies going. I mean, what did he do after this? Was it... Um... Like there, there was so many shit that he had to turn down, though. Yeah. Like Die Hard. Uh, wasn't he also up for the Untouchables? I would not be surprised whatsoever if he was up for the Untouchables. Yeah. That would make sense. He was, yeah, he was also offered uh, the Presidio, an, another movie I greatly enjoy. Uh, he had to turn down so much shit because yeah. of that show. I feel like he would have been like a Bull Durham guy too. Like they would have offered it to him. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could definitely see him in the Boulder. But, like, he did the hot spot, which is a definitely a, hey, it's on HBO. I'm 13 years old. This is how, this is my version of porn. <laughs> uh, Harley Davidson, the Marvel Man. And then he kind of stepped back and was a support. But this was his one big shot, and it just didn't happen. I think it's fucking amazing. I think it's so good that he should have got nominated for this. Oh, yeah. He's, he's amazing. It's like... Uh, you know, he's like, cause he's not playing Sonny, you know. He's no, he's, the you turn him inside out and that's what he right. is in this movie. <laughs> right, he is the, the total 
opposite of Sonny in this movie. You know, no style to him at all. He's very profane. <laughs> he's uh, out of shape. He's a yeah. drunk. <laughs> yeah. He can't, he, man. He has reading glasses for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're broken. And then uh, the, 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 my favorite part of the movie, he throws up on the suspect. <laughs> <laughs> just just don't do it again. Just please don't. I'll talk. <laughs> Uh, Bob Balaban is good uh, adversary with him and a good foil, I should say. But I yes. think the the unsung hero of this is Tim Reed. I just so oh, yeah. damn good. He's in the last half of the movie, and people don't know him so much for dramatic work. Yeah, he, by this time he wasn't Simon and Simon, but he wasn't really serious. He was more of like a light comic uh, character in that. But this is like holy shit! He was so much potential as a dramatic actor, which you got to see the next year in It. Oh yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, like uh, the most people uh, from my era remember him as the dad from Sister Sister. Yeah, I'm a uh, WKRP guy, so yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, also like I have a bone to pick with the trailer because it makes it look like uh, it's him and them going up against the Nazis, where it's basically just him for majority of the movie, and they come into like what the 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 last uh, the third act. Yeah. But, you know, and they make it seem like it's always like a, like a team up movie and shit. And it's like, no, uh, you're, you're kind of selling a different type of movie over here. But uh, no, but, I mean, it's still fine and shit. I still, I still take it as it is. And like, yeah, like you said, Tim Reed is great in it. You know, what I'm saying especially when they go in and kick the shit out of the Nazis. Oh God, it's so much joy in that. And this is surprisingly based on a true story. Yes. Shockingly, I don't know if they embellished or if this all really happened. Because most of the time with those stories, you hear, well, this and this and this got changed or whatever to make it more entertaining. So it's not yeah. a full-on action movie, but there's two really big action sequences in this. Oh, yeah, 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 most definitely. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty sure they probably embellished um, a, a bit, you know. Um, I'm pretty sure it was probably not as wild like uh, – the, that whole big uh, shootout in the cavern at, at the climax, you know, and the the big, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, he was uh, the, the 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 main dude that he was hunting down and shit, uh, firing a giant machine gun out the back of uh, like what a station wagon. <laughs> you know, I'm pretty sure maybe that didn't happen. Oh, yeah. who knows? Maybe you know, weirder shit has happened. Yeah, you know, crazier things. That 44 minutes movie is based on a true story. <laughs> That's just two guys in fucking armored suits <laughs> mowing down cops outside of a bank. It really happened. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> um, I will say this: Dead Bang is not the best name. It sounds like necrophilia uh, exploitation <laughs> porno film. <laughs> Dead Bang is not a good title. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely like. What is the correlation with the, the rest of the movie? Right, I kind of <laughs> want to call it "fuck Nazis," but <laughs> you can't sell that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, you can call it the uh, Nazi punks fuck off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it would make more sense. If this was a know? trauma movie, yes, it would be called that. <laughs> it would make more sense than Dead Bang. I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, this there's a sequence in this movie that was uh, horrifying. Called uh, you know when they discuss what a uh, what a, damn it I forgot the name of it. Sundown Town. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the hell that was until I saw this movie, and my mother proceeds to tell me that, oh, the town you grew up in, Huntington, uh, was a sundown town. And I was like, oh, great. That's wonderful uh-huh. to know. Now things make much more sense. <laughs> uh, oh, Lord. Yeah, I know. I grew up in the city, and then when I was 13, we moved to a country town because we thought it was going to be safer. Man, there's some fucking weirdo shit in farmer towns, man. I, 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 I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so our third film is The Forgotten 
Patrick Swayze film from 1989. Everybody talks about Roadhouse, whether good or bad. I think it's more of a party movie, like you get together with your buddies and it's a good time. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's a good movie. Like it's an entertaining movie, but not a good movie. Does that make sense? I know someone got pissed off when I said Next to Kin was better, and I do believe Next to Kin is better. Is it a slick? No, but there's more honesty and complications in the relationships than Roadhouse, but for sure. And it's not as outrageous and campy. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 more a conventional movie than Roadhouse is. Roadhouse is full of cheese and and camp and stuff, where it's like um, Next of Kin is a bit more serious and that stuff. Yeah, well, um, you got a Joel Silver production versus you know was it John Flynn directed this one, which is more of a meat and potatoes kind of director. Was it John Irvin or John Flynn? I can't remember. Irvin. Irvin. Those two I get so confused. Now, Irvin, did I do he too. do Dogs of War, right? Yes, yes. Okay. Flynn did, um, Flynn did uh, uh, Alpha Justice. Okay. Like, I was wondering, because this whole time I thought John Irvin did uh, Alpha Justice. But um, what this one is about, it's not so much the, compli- the, the action sequence that are the important part of this. What it is is about the complications of the family relationships, the two different families but in a weird way, at times they're working together, but they're not working together. And then he has his law, which is, you know, legitimate law. And then they have uh, family law, uh, you know, backwoods law. And he can't be a part of that. And they think that he betrayed his clan over yes. the, you know, the city people. And that complication. And then you have, what's the guy's name? He's from Deep Space Nine. Cthulhu Cause... or something like that. I can't remember his name. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm... I'm... <laughs> kind of stuck on it too. Yeah, I know it's like Andreas. Uh, yeah, I'll look yes. it up so we don't sound like <laughs> fools. Oh, thank you, Wikipedia, for not putting it first, so I can save myself some time. Damn it, <laughs> Andreas Katsulas, who a lot of people probably know, I really know from Hot Shots Part. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, his family because they have the whole oh his son's coming in a young Ben Stiller. What? Um, yeah. And Adam Baldwin is miffed because he thinks he's next in line to take over the family, and that whole dynamic. So that really is the heart of it: is those two families and their uh, dynamics together over the action. The action's still good. Yeah, yeah. It, the, 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 the one thing that uh, always bugs me out about this movie is that it, it, it's it's weird that they cast um, Patrick Swayze as the the cop brother. Because, like, if any other, like, writer, producer, director probably would have cast him as uh, the, the Backwoods brother, the Liam Neeson character. And, you know, just beef it up to, to where, like, he, he's the one who lives, you know what I'm saying? Right. Because he, he's, it's his character that really takes, like, uh, takes hold of the movie a lot, you know, when it comes to the revenge shit, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, Liam Neeson like, really, this is the first time I'd ever seen him. He really steps up. He's almost the lead. Yeah, like he, he, like I'm, I'm, I'm always shocked that he wasn't just basically made a co-lead. Yeah, it's just Patrick Swayze on the cover, and it's like you might as well just put fucking Liam Neeson on there too, and shit, because he does a hell of as much as uh, as Patrick Swayze does, and he probably does more than Patrick I Swayze think he does. Yeah, I think his death is bullshit. The way yes. he is too smart. The spoilers, people. He is too fucking smart to go out in the open after emptying his shotgun to load it up. You load it up when you're still covered. That was so lazy, and I feel like someone was like, just get his character out of the way. Don't give him a cool death. And I'm like, what? You give yeah. him, like, a badass out, not just like, oh, my gun's empty. <laughs> I didn't plan for this. Come on. 
Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Uh, I definitely 100% agree with you. That was bullshit. Uh, it was just, you know, we have to get Patrick mad. We have to get him doing some badass shit. Let's just kill him off right here. Well, how do we do that? Uh, just, 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 you, you'll figure it out. Okay, no, just, just, just hurry up and kill him out. I, no, just give it another day's shoot, you know, and fix that final battle. Just have him going up against Adam Baldwin. Adam Baldwin beats the shit out of him. That way you beef up the, the how dangerous Adam Baldwin's character is. If he yeah, can take yeah, out Liam Neeson, then holy shit, it's going to be hard for Patrick Swayze because he's like a foot shorter than Liam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely right. <laughs> I would have loved to see... You remember that movie, Nights? <laughs> with Chris yeah. Christopherson in the backpack? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Liam Neeson with Patrick Swayze in a backpack behind him. Ooh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, we also have Helen Hunt, uh, Bill Paxton uh, taken out way too soon in this movie. Yeah, that was surprising. Uh, I, I'm always surprised, like, because I'm sitting there, like, I mean, Patrick, um, um, Paxton is was fairly known by this point. Oh yeah. Like, so I'm, I'm surprised that he took a role that was this small. You know. Like unless unless it was a pretty big check and he was just like fuck it. Maybe I don't know, but this it does seem like this is the era. So what he has done, he has done Aliens, he has done Near Dark, but Near Dark was a bomb. Didn't get you know really didn't get any notice till a couple years later in video. So he's doing yeah. like these little tiny movies like Pass the Ammo. Um, great movie if you can find it. Good luck with that. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he didn't do anything in '88, and this is when he did uh, Next of Kin and Brain Dead. So he was still kind of bouncing around, trying to uh, hit big. It's it's very similar to the way Bill Pullman was going, because you know he had his two big, two or three big movies, and then had to go back and start doing independent movies again just to get some work and get noticed. So I just right. feel like Paxton is just a, a you know a journeyman. He just wanted to work, and this was a studio film, and you know. What it's probably a two day shoot and a nice paycheck, right? Like yeah, but uh, I remember he he got into um, a beef with uh, John Hughes because he didn't want to take the the role of one of the uh, the, the the garage uh, people, um, the parking the car, the, the the parking attendants, because the role was too small. Oh, okay. And, and he said that uh, he regret he had regretted not taking that role because after that John Hughes never offered him a role in one of his movies ever again. Look, you know what John Hughes has some rest in peace, but he had some bug up his ass about loyalty. Yes. And it's, yeah. do you understand? It's not just your career. For fuck's sake, the way he threw out. Um, why was I going to say Molly Shannon? That's not right. It's um, not right <laughs> Molly at all. Ringwald? Molly Ringwald threw her away, threw Anthony Michael Hall away because he would rather do Out of Bounds than Pretty in Pink. Yeah. And, and I think all of them really in the end made the right decisions because how much longer are you going to play the same kind of roles? Yeah, yeah, most they definitely. They wanted to change. So I, I just uh, I don't understand what that thinking was, but I'm looking right here, and uh, Patrick Swayze won a nomination from the Razzies for Roadhouse and this, and that makes me think that fucking, the Razzies are stupid. I used to oh, think yeah. it was funny. I, I've, I've now gotten to the point where I think the Razzies are now just a big bag of dicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, fuck the Razzies. The, 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 I, I can't stand those motherfuckers. I'm looking at this. Right before this is when Irvin had done mm-hmm. Hamburger Hill, which no one ever talks about. That is, to that, me, I like better than Full Metal Jacket. That's actually my favorite uh, war movie. Yeah, is, uh, Hamburger Hill. It's I pretty love damn Hamburger good. Hill. I'm, a, I'm a platoon guy, but Hamburger Hill is my second runner-up. 
I, I fucking love Hamburger Hills so much that that is my favorite war movie ever. Yeah. And and, and I always get like really like I, I realize and shit like now you know been talking to people like you and like uh, Mike and uh, and uh, I I genuinely get like uh, that's an interesting choice like you know for people when I tell them like oh this is what this one's my favorite or that one's my favorite yeah and they're like seriously that one well and like, I know yeah. you well enough to know you're not a contrarian you don't say it because everybody else thinks this is the best you don't go well I don't like that one so much I like this weird you know like you you're legitimate in what you prefer. Yeah, yeah, of, of course, you know what I'm saying? I'm the guy who worships the ground that Scanner Cop 2 walks on. <laughs> <laughs> the, one of the few series, Scanner, Scanners and Triple X are the only two series I know that are getting better with <laughs> each installment. And I'm telling you right now, Scanners doesn't have to be over with, people. It, oh, no. <laughs> we, let's go do it right now. <laughs> you know, like, but let's not do it in the way like they did with the Howling, where they're trying to retain the rights by just making another shit film for like $80,000 in some Texas town yeah, yeah, 90% definitely. line dancing. <laughs> um, definitely, definitely. Okay, so uh, that is a definite recommend. My final choice, and I'm a little nervous Ooh. because I can't remember what we were going to do. Do you remember? And I said, it was blind. It was blind fury. Blind fury. We did. We discovered though that it wasn't released until like February of 1990. Some yeah. of these dates are confusing though because Wikipedia will say this date and then this date, but won't tell us whether that's the international or the U.S. So I don't know. So blind fury, I guess, is next year. Um. So the final film is a rare in Italian. I'm saying it. I'm feeling a little embarrassed, but I love it. It's an Italian, uh, kind of a Ramboish movie, but it's mm-hmm. with um. Uh, Brian Denny, he, Marvis, Marvelin Haggard, <laughs> who's barely in the movie, <laughs> and uh, uh, Francesco Quinn, and I really enjoy Indio. Eh, it was alright. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I have, now to be clear, I have an affection for Italian films, especially Italian rip-off movies, but this right. one is the only one I know where it isn't like purposely trashy, like doesn't feel like an exploitation movie, it feels like it's one of those just almost like if it just had yeah. a little bit more money a little bit you know it might have been released by an independent but this went straight to video in america yeah it, it, def- it definitely like it has like more more scope if you will like it, it definitely it definitely like you know nothing like a, like a strike commando or anything like right that. right where it's just shot in some yeah. little you know crap we got a lot of explosives do we have a plot nope yeah it, it, <laughs> yeah it, it, like it was less interested with ripping off rambo and more interested in telling a story that just happens to be similar to rambo and uh i mean i didn't uh, i didn't hate it uh like it's it's i it's it's a movie that uh i enjoyed like for for the most part while watching it but it's not something i would probably watch again you know and here i am uh, hoping severin releases a blu-ray <laughs> right but they, they really strike commando one and two on blu-ray and yeah. shit so you know anything anything's anything's possible uh point. here's hoping hey, and there's a sequel to this too where uh, his character gets killed in the first minute played by a different actor and marvelous marvin hackler is now the lead now here's the thing this is why it's like it's a lot like rambo a brian dennehy um playing kind of the same menacing character who doesn't give a shit about anybody and won't stop when he knows better um i my friend uh will harris interviewed me a few years ago and he just randomly brought that up and he goes oh my god i was hoping you were never going to mention that movie i got an offered an ungodly amount of money for like a week of shooting and they said that no one in america will ever see it (laughs) they didn't count on me (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I was wondering. I was gonna ask, like, yo, how how many weeks do you think he was on set for? One or two? <laughs> yeah, it's real. It's he's just like. Well, there's some sequence where you can tell he's literally just sitting in a helicopter on the ground, and they're just right, putting yeah. the camera on, you know, up at him. <laughs> um, but it's basically uh, he's desperate to finish this contract for a company to wipe out a certain amount of villages. Well, he needs to put in a road. And there's villages in the way, and he's not willing to really compromise. But what he doesn't know, that's one thing that's a little complicated, is he doesn't really know what his hired team is doing. And they're just slaughtering the villages uh, and, you know, just wiping them out to get what they need. And, you know, you can tell there's a little more complication, like, how he feels about it. It's like, oh, fuck, that's not what I wanted, but I guess this is where we're going, and I need this done. And... Francesco Quinn is a half American, half. What is the tribe? Did did I forget this? Is it a Filipino tribe or is it South America? It, it, like yeah, it's supposed to be that, but they're obviously Filipino. Like, okay. There, there, there's quite a few actors I, I recognize from Strike Commando. Oh okay. Um, <laughs> you know he's off in the military and he comes back home to visit his father who's dying. And, you know, he's got the skills and he works with his people to set up all these traps. And, and I thought that was, I love that kind of guerrilla warfare where they're just using whatever their environment is. To, yeah. I mean, that part is, it's some of it's, I think whenever he brings out the blow dart gun, the gigantic blow dart gun, it's fucking comical. Especially the way <laughs> they film it. They're like, okay, we're going into <laughs> blow dart, uh, blow, I can't talk, blow vision. <laughs> yeah, 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 like it's, 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 it's this enormous, it looks like a fucking long ass Pringles can. Yeah. And uh, they go into POV and shit and he just like basically puts it up into the camera and it's just like, oh, okay, that's uh, what we got going on here. <laughs> and I will say this, 50% of his dialogue is is a, a voiceover, which I feel like was added later. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, this is from uh, director, I can't remember, we always call him Anthony Dawson in America, but um, the fuck is his? He, he did a whole bunch of movies in the... Uh, uh, 70s and 60s, whatever, like westerns and stuff like that. I'm gonna look up right now. Indio, of course, you give me a musician named Indio. Give me the movie. There we go. Anthony M. Dawson. It still says that on Wikipedia. Antonio Magretti. That's it. Mm-hmm. And he knows his stuff. I. He, this is like I said, an almost movie. Um, I think that tree stunt was fucking amazing because I don't think they used a miniature. I think that's a real helicopter. I don't know how they did that safely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, uh... No, there was a lot of. There's a lot of good stuff in here that I enjoyed. Uh, I love all the explosions. You know, I'm a big explosion guy, and all the explosions are done ace well. You know, and and a lot of those scenes where like you know when he's you know setting the traps, like you said, it's just great. It's just it's just you know it's 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 weird in that, like the the first thing that bugged me out about this movie is the fucking score. Like, why does the score sound like a like it's like a from an inspirational eighties teen drama? It's big though, man, and they got Pino Donaggio. One of the few like crossovers from Italian cinema into American cinema. Yeah, yeah, but it's like it, it's a score that sounds like it fucking you, it would be perfectly comfortable being played in the background of like the boy who could fly or, or, or Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, like or like or like or like or uh, maybe not that major. I'm thinking more like something like Jack the Bear. Or some oh, okay, shit. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, well, it was surprising because usually it's cheap synth. There is a little bit cheap synth in here between the big pieces, but usually Italian scores aren't that good honestly oh yeah yeah most definitely most definitely like yeah the, 
you can say the same. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going back to it because that's the thing that pops the top of my head. Uh, kind of like a strike commando. Yeah. You know what I'm, saying? I'm looking at this. I didn't realize that Antonio Magrietti. I just love saying that fucking name. Uh, did mm. so many movies in the '80s: Commando Leper, The Ark of the Sun God, Tornado, The Last Blood, Tiger Joe, Hunters of the Golden Cobra, The Last Hunter, Cannibal Apocalypse. Um, the big one, of course, is You're the Hunter from the Future. Everyone yes. knows that one. Uh, Codename Wild Geese, I think a highly underrated, forgotten, not a sequel to Wild Geese. It's just stealing the name. All these, all these movies are ripoff films and Jungle mm-hmm. Raiders, but they're all entertaining as fuck. Absolutely. <laughs> all right, so that is that. Uh, I'll say this, the poster is amazing too. But putting Marvelous Martin Haggard's name first is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, like, 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 damn, and shit, that, that they put him up there, like, you think, like, somebody's gonna get their fucking head boxed off and shit, and yeah. he just shows up. Oh, I would have loved that. <laughs> right, but he just shows up, talks to the dude, and then he talks to Dennehy, and then he's fucking leaves. <laughs> well, he's the, he's the character that uh, Richard Crenna plays in Rambo, basically. Yeah, yeah he's basically a Troutman, but, uh, even then, like, you know, he, he does less than Troutman did in the, in the fucking Rambo movies. Yeah, which is amazing that the sequel stars him. <laughs> Was he just cheaper than Francesco Quinn? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. This uh, this whole company, Film Aro, um, is owned by Dino Denarentis' nephew. So, And he's still around, I think. So I'm wondering if some of this stuff is going to end up over at... I was looking to see if any of his movies ever got picked up by... Um, Severin or Synapse or anybody like that or Vinegar Syndrome starting to get into the action films. Let's hope somebody picks this up, at least for my sake. Because <laughs> I don't want the bootleg from uh, Revoc because they're always shitty. They're full screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, basically fucking VHS transfers. Yeah, we're, we're nerds. If you know what Revoc is, you're simpatico <laughs> with us. With a place where the only way you're going to get a widescreen version is that it has like Japanese subtitles at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you can't remove. <laughs> but I had so many of those cheapos. That's yeah, how I first I got um, uh, the Raiders of Atlantis was from them. Mm-hmm. All right, I think, so I, huh? I think I got a, I think I got the, my my first copies of Strike Commando. You might that? have, yeah. I feel like I got a lot of it. There was a time in my life where I had just discovered Italian action films. It was like nine, no, two thousand seven, somewhere around there, um, back when YouTube launched, and all of a, you remember we had to watch movies in like ten minute segments. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I've been like discovering all of these, and I had to find Strike Commando. I had to. And that led me into other jungle action movies, and one day I was at a video store, and I saw Indio for sale, and then, or, yeah, I saw both of them for sale and picked them up, and I was like, I'm in. I'm all in on this trash. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Warbus. Warbus Commando. Come on. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I have no taste. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that is it. Where uh, can we find you? Of course, you can find me as the Center Drunkie on Twitter, which is probably where I'm at most of the, most most times. Uh, I'm also on uh, Instagram as the Cinema Drunkie. Of course, you can find uh, me and my show, uh, the Action Drunkies, on um, most most major outlets where you can hear uh, podcasts, as well as our official Twitter, Action Drunkies. Um, uh, so, shout out to my co-host Mac the All Star and his upcoming show, uh, All Stars Animes. That's coming soon where he's discussing all like his favorite animes and all that stuff. And uh, also shout out to uh, the House of Screams, the horror podcast that uh, I, me and him both do. And uh, yeah, yeah, 
That's uh, that's it for my plugs. <laughs> that was a lot of plugs. <laughs> I should use those plugs. I'm bald. <laughs> um, <laughs> that was a cheap dad joke. Sorry. Um, so this is it for a little while with uh, Hit Rewind. I'm taking a long hiatus. There's other shows I need to catch up on, but I kind of just want to watch stuff to watch stuff. I feel like I've been yes. drowning in this show forever. Plus, I was supposed to be moving in a couple weeks. That's why I initially shut this down, because I was supposed to be moving, but discovered the house I was going to buy as a meth house, so that ain't happening now. <laughs> so hit rewind podcast um we're doing a odd spinoff series which i'm going to harangue rob for an episode um where we pick our favorite bands of the 70s and 80s and try to create a perfect concert of 10 songs plus an encore <coughs> hollow notes <coughs> hollow notes uh and we share our list of what the perfect concert would be um it's just kind of a t- an easy time killer i don't have to watch like a ton of movies to prepare for it i just have to listen to the songs and usually i know them all anyway and someday this fool is gonna have me on his Jason Statham show, so I can discuss Wild Card. No, yeah, absolutely. Oh, thanks for reminding me because I forgot to fucking plug that one. Yep. Um, yes, my my show Wrath of State, uh, all about uh, Jason Statham. Uh, subtitle is um, a podcast retrospective on Jason Statham, Cinema's True Throat Punch King, and that will be coming soon. Um, I haven't uh, really considered a date, but it, uh, the first episode would definitely be out before the end of the year. I'll say that much. All right. Well, Rob, thank you for another great year. I know it was shorter than it was before where we went um, 80 through 85. This one's only 86 through 90, but next year, starting back up with 1990, and we'll get Blind Fury in. Yeah, most definitely. I'm trying to think. What are the other action movies of uh, 1990 that would be worth discussing? Uh, there's quite a few in 1990. Yeah, it seems like this is the year when they start kicking in, right? Like, I feel like the Joel yeah. Silver uh, machine and the, Bru- the Bruckheimer machine and all that stuff is still going strong. Mm-hmm. Mm, nice. All right, everybody. Have a good night. <laughs>